Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our Elijah series. In this series, we take a look into the life of Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, from God miraculously providing for Elijah in the wilderness to the Lord's emphatic display of consuming fire on the mountaintop. We see God use Elijah to exhort the people of Israel to return to him and abandon false gods. This series challenges us to put our trust in Christ alone and to serve and rely on him as bold witnesses of his mercy and goodness to our family, friends, neighbors, and to the ends of the earth. This week, we are starting a new series on Elijah. Say Elijah. Our women's small group has been studying Elijah as well. Right, Miss Allison? Yes. So, so this is not new to them. Um, they have small groups. I encourage you to join a small group. Um, but we're going to be looking at Elijah for the next four weeks. Uh, we'll be on Elijah for two weeks. Then we're going to have Father's Day. How many of you are excited about Father's Day? I'm excited about Father's Day. Um, Woody Jones, one of our elders, his son will be preaching on Father's Day. How cool is that? Yeah, Casey. Uh, Casey pastors a church in Alabama, and he will be coming up to be with his father for Father's Day, and he'll also be speaking the word of the Lord to you, so that's going to be very exciting. And then we'll jump back on Elijah for two more weeks. Now, why Elijah? Well, Elijah, outside of um, was one of, outside of Moses, one of the most major people in the Old Testament. Um, and I believe that God has something for us in looking at his life. How many of you know that this book isn't just for window dressing? Oh, you thought it was supposed to sit on your shelf. No, indeed, you're supposed to open it, and not just on Sunday mornings at 10.30, but all through the week. This, this book has changed my life. And so if you're here today and you're looking for a change, you need something to change in your life, start here. Look, you can go to Barnes & Noble's and get all kinds. The biggest section in Barnes & Noble is self-help. Did you know that? It is. Self-help. And you can read every page in every book in that section. It's this book that'll change you. It'll transform you from the inside out. Okay. All right. Elijah. First, let me tell you who Elijah is and give you some context as to where we are here in 1 Kings chapter 17. Um, the nation of Israel has had 19, everybody say 19, 19 consecutive evil kings. Now, some watching today, maybe in other countries. Do we have people watching other countries? See, we have, did y'all know that we have people watched in other countries? What's up? <laughs> Come see us. Um, there are people all over the world that need Jesus, so I'm glad we can live stream. Um, that being said, other countries have prime ministers. Here in the U.S., we have presidents. 
okay? And look, we're not getting political this morning, okay? I don't want to hear a grunt or a groan or anything out of you when I say this thing. But I'm not just talking about someone you disagree with. I'm talking about evil. And this particular king, when Elijah's around, his name is Ahab. Ahab had a wife named Jezebel. Known as one of the most wicked women in the Bible. Ahab described between the binds of this book as one of the most evil kings to have ever existed up until this point. Did more evil than any of the other kings preceding him. So this is where we find Elijah. We find Elijah 19 kings in over a 200 year span consecutive evil. Now, what what do you mean evil? I'm talking, they would have people, they would tell people, you need to turn from the God, Yahweh, Jehovah. You need to turn from this God and you need to worship our gods, Baal, Asherah, okay? And when you worship, you know what worship to these gods look like? Sacrificing your children, Killing them in worship. They would have sex with prostitutes in the church realm as an act of worship to these gods, using and abusing people. That's what people were being told to turn to. It was idol worship at the max. And you would anticipate 200 years, 19 evil consecutive kings where all this awful is going on around them. You would almost expect that God would just, which he did in the flood, right? He would just kill everybody. No, that's not what he did. And, he, and God didn't even raise up an army. He raised up one guy. And what I hope over the next four weeks is that we can see what it takes, what it looks like to be the one that God might would rise up. What does it take to make that person? He might be calling some of you to be that one employee that stands against the tide of what's going on in the office that's faithful to his husband or wife. That one student that, that commits to purity That one business owner that says, I'm not going to do this, that, and the other because I serve the Lord. And we'll see Elijah do that. Um, God doesn't need an army. He just needs one. Hey, wake up. He just needs one. And it could be you. These aren't just stories that stopped in these pages. History is filled with Christians who, out of a desire and a passion and a love for the Lord, stood up and said, hey, I'm going to serve the Lord and make a big difference, a big difference in their communities, a big difference in their workplaces, a big difference in their families. It just takes one. So what does it take to make that man or woman, what does it take 
to, to make this person. That's what we're going to look at today. Elijah's name can, is actually broken into three parts, L and then I and then J-A-H, L-I-Yah, L coming from Elohim, which is God, I, which is my, and then Yah, which is God. Jehovah, it comes from Jehovah. So literally, Elijah's name, my God is Jehovah. And that's where we find ourselves. We don't know a whole lot leading up to the text today. Uh, Elijah just kind of pops out of nowhere. And in fact, he's actually known by where he's from. That's how we find out who he is. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, anybody from Tishbe? <laughs> I'm not telling that joke anymore. I'm not going to do it. Y'all are awful. Okay. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, so God has raised up this one person, and he's standing up to the king. This evil king, the wickedest king they had seen in 200 years. And he stands before him and he says this, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Listen, listen now. Y'all remember when it was dry? Like this year. Like I was mowing dust. That's not dry enough. Understand when it's dry here, the grass just stops growing. Or trees start to wilt a little bit, lose some leaves. In the scriptures here, if it didn't rain, and now it's not just rain, but dew, Usually, even if there's no rain, right, you can wake up to a little dew in the morning. No, not even that. That's how dry it's going to be. This community, this kingdom was an agricultural-based kingdom. You know what agriculture is? Growing things, growing plants, growing um, commodities so that they can sell them. What Elijah pronounces First, he says, I don't serve your gods. I serve the living God. He's calling out their gods from the forefront, saying, I serve the real God. In fact, Baal, who was the storm God, just, just catch what he's saying here. He's saying, my God, the living God, is going to stop any storms. So all these things you worship to, all these things that you think are so important, God is going to wipe away, and he is the one in true control. Hear me today, God is the real one in control. It's not the president. It is not this pastor either. It's not the staff. It is not the county board of supervisors. God is in control. Cancer is not in control. COVID is not in control. 
Do you, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? God is in control. There's a peace and a trust and, and, and a relief that comes over me when I realize the things that I'm facing have filtered through his hand. Because he's in control. So when he pronounces this, he's pronouncing death for people. He's shut, the whole economy will shut down. And so if, if I'm the baddest bad king and this brother comes out of Tishbe saying it's not going to rain for a few days because the God I serve, I'm refusing to serve your God. I serve the living God and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. It's not going to rain unless I say so. You know what I'm going to do if I'm the baddest bad king? I'm going to kill him right there. Let's go. Let's fight. Some of you, you've heard of fight or flight, right? How many fighters do we have in the room? Oh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. We're in trouble. We are in trouble. That's not a negative thing, guys. They're like, oh, well. Um, but no fight happens. Instead, this is so weird to me. Instead of a fight ensuing, this is what happens. The Lord has Elijah make this pronouncement and then he takes him away by himself to isolation. He hides him. He hides Elijah. And I think it's in that hiding that we're gonna find how the Lord prepares us to use us. How the Lord prepares us to use us. You see, God has to in seasons that don't make sense, because this doesn't make sense. Yes, Ahab is probably really upset, but to take Elijah, make him make this pronouncement, and then hide him away, which we'll see here in a second, didn't make a whole lot of sense, except that what I found in the coming texts is that the Lord was developing something in Elijah so he could do something through Elijah. And none of these are pretty. None of these are pretty. Let's look. Let's look together. What does God use to develop Elijah? Verses two and three say, the word of the Lord then came, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. The Kerith Ravine is this little brook, little um, narrow body of water. I thought about putting a picture together, um, but it's this little brook, and Kerith literally means cut off, cut down. It is separating him from everything and everyone. He didn't have a buddy. How many of you like to travel with friends? Or family? How many of you like to travel with family? Let's go there. Okay, not all your family. Not, okay. Do I have to have this conversation? Are there people you like to travel? You like to travel with people. Okay. Some of y'all are like, oh, I, don't, I don't like my family. Okay. I don't have any friends. Well, man, your life's, you know, it's awful. Um, and you're saying, I know, I know. 
takes him away, and the very first thing that happens is you see Elijah become isolated. He, he experiences this isolated pain. Leave here, go, turn eastward, hide in the Corinth Ravine, and he literally cuts him off from everybody. What we see in Scripture is kind of cool. You see Elijah become the new Moses, okay? You see it all through 1 Kings, okay? This comparison of Moses and Elijah, the people of Israel, the people of Israel during this time, there's a lot of comparisons, but this also happened to Moses. Do you remember this story? Okay, let me tell you. Um, So Moses was born during a time where they were killing babies. You know who else was born during a time where they were killing babies? Jesus. Okay, you see, you're making connections. Moses, instead of being killed, his family put him in a basket. You remember this? Floated him down the river. He lands at the Pharaoh's palace, right? He becomes elite, an elite Egyptian, and uh, starts having all these feelings, starts realizing that something's going on, that he isn't who he thought he was, and he kills a guy. Anybody ever killed a guy? No, don't put your hands up, please. I don't need to know. (laughs) Some of y'all were like, you were ready. You were ready. Thank you for participating today. And so Moses kills a guy, is fearing for his life, and so he runs and hides. What happens with Elijah? Elijah, fearful for his life, the Lord says, go hide away in this valley. And and this is what I'm finding. All through scripture, even the Lord has to go away to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. There is something God does in isolation. That he has to pull you away from everything all by yourself to teach you. Have you ever felt isolated? Man, I, let me tell you something. I have felt all by myself. And you know, you can feel lonely in a room full of people. Anybody know that feeling? I know that feeling. I, I'm just going to tell you, I know that feeling of, of being lonely in a crowd full of people. feeling like nobody understood what I'm walking through. I don't understand why I'm where I'm at. I don't know why this season of life is upon me. How did I get here? Lord, I I thought I was doing what you asked me to do, and now I'm here all by myself, cut off. Jonah got taught some things in the belly of a whale. Moses shepherded in the middle of some mountains with a family he just happened upon. And the Lord taught them things in those times of isolation. I'm sure Elijah at this point, not only is he lonely, he's wondering why, why am I here? You used me and now you've pulled me away. I also can imagine as I'm here in this valley, in this, by this little ravine, the thought that what if they find me? Right? Constant pressure. 
A.W. Tozer said this, it is doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. There is something that God does with pain and isolation that he can't, he, he doesn't do elsewise. I'm not gonna say he can't, but he chooses. Everybody say chooses. What did we say earlier? God's in control. There have been seasons of my life, and you've heard them, I preached about them. Divorce, miscarriage, living a double life, thinking I could fool people. Hey, hear me today. The Lord, there's sometimes no lonelier place than when you pretend to be something one place and actually your life is different. Oh. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? You show up here on Sundays and act like everything's okay and then go home and everything's not okay? That's a lonely place to be. And so if you're experiencing isolation and loneliness in your heart today, hear me. God can use it. God can use it to build and develop something in you so he can do something through you. Listen, there are people that I can disciple today because of the valleys and ravines that the Lord sent me to, to be all by myself. Don't, don't discount the cancer. Don't discount the divorce. Don't discount some of these things that you faced and thought, well, this is useless. There's nothing useless. God can use anything. So number one, he experienced isolation. Number two, we see here in verses four through six, we'll see that God uses, um, needs to pull out of him total dependence. Look at this. Uh, verse four says, you will drink from the brook and I've ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him to do. He went to the Carith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So he has landed at this ravine. Picture it. I don't know what he was wearing, but it's probably nothing you're wearing. I don't know what to picture. So I've got, I've got Elijah like flipping through all these outfits in, his, in my head right now. Is that weird? It is weird. I'm sorry. So I have like this John the Baptist thing, like this burlap sack. I don't, I don't know what he was wearing, but picture it. He's by himself in the Middle East. You guys have got to wake up. This is so boring for me. And you're like. Help me, Jesus. The reason the Bible's so boring for you is because you read it like a storybook and like something instead of something that actually happened. He's in the Middle East. 
by a little brook of water. Now, at this point, the drought has already ensued. So the Lord is sending the water. The Lord is sending the bread and the meat, okay? Flashback to Moses, you ready? What did they get while they were in isolation, traveling through the desert? What did they get? Quail and manna. Bread and meat. You see, the, you see how there's mirrors here? And so, um, but it's not like the Lord sends him, just like Moses and the people of Israel traveling out of Egypt. He doesn't send him provisions for a week. Does he? No. He doesn't send him provisions for two days. He sends him just enough for the morning. Just enough for the evening. You know why? Some of us think that being Christian means living in abundance. And it's just not the case. In fact, if I'm just being transparent with you, the more I have shed the abundance and depended on the Lord. Now, in some of that shedding of abundance, the Lord stripped from me. I see here what the Lord is trying to develop in Elijah. Total dependence. Not for a week at a time, just for a moment at a time. Just get me through the morning, get me through the evening. Have you had those moments? It's like a heavenly catering service. Okay. I should have said Jesus DoorDash, and I I didn't. I went with the wrong one. The Holy Spirit Uber Eats. I had a list. I I had a list. I didn't know which one. What he's saying to Elijah is this. I will be faithful. I will be be faithful. In the morning, I'm going to be faithful. And then in the evening, I'm going to be faithful. Yesterday, I was faithful. Today, I'll be faithful. Tomorrow, I will continue to be faithful. Hear me. God is faithful. Oh, he's faithful. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful when things we used to trust are stripped away. He didn't send Elijah back home to Tishbe. No. New Kent, I guess. If I were to correlate something, I'd correlate Tishbe to New Kent or Charles City County. You know, somewhere no one goes. <laughs> he didn't send Elijah home. He sent him to be cut off in isolation. And then to pull from him total dependence. I need to teach you, Elijah, something. When the marriage is tough, I need to depend not on my marriage, but the Lord. You know, when marriage gets tough, it's like we put our spouses up on a pedestal of some sort. God needs to be the only pedestal in our hearts. That's probably why your marriage is jacked up anyway. That's why your relationships are jacked up. That's why things with your finances are jacked up. That's why things in your life aren't clicking together. The king of your heart is the wrong king. 
And so he had to pull from Elijah total dependence. And then, I will be faithful. I am the source. Lastly, unconditional obedience. Have you? I've been in church a long time. And preachers have these cool one-liners. I try and come up with them, but I'm terrible at it. So if you hear one, I probably stole it. But I, I, you hear preachers say some things like, where God guides, he'll provide. Right? That's true. It's true. Or I've heard it said, uh, um, where God gives a vision, he'll give the provision. Right? A lot of that comes from a church background that's, that said, those things are true, but oftentimes it gets spun like, I have a vision of a new car and like God will give me a new car. That's not, that's not how that works. I think what we see in this next text is that God not only guides by how he provides, God also guides by how he doesn't provide. Watch, seven through nine. It says, sometime later, the brook dried up. Everybody say, dried up. Dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. So things have been going pretty well outside the loneliness. He's getting bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. Thank God it wasn't bread and veggies because I, I don't know if I would have made it. <laughs> Michael's with me. You know what I'm talking about. Chicken. Steak. Yes, Lord. His provisions dried up. Have you ever been in a place like that where things just seem to be going so well <laughs> and then it stops? I, here's what I would be thinking. I would be thinking, what did I do? I must have. People in church are like this a lot. You think that things happen um, Necessarily because you, you're in control of all of it. Um, that is not always the case. God is in control of all of it, okay? And, and so a lot of the times we'll, something will happen and we're like, what happened? I imagine this is what he was thinking. Um, his brook dried up and the Lord said, go. Um, and not just go anywhere, Zarephath. You know how far Zarephath was from there? You don't. <laughs> you don't. If you do, please say it. I'll take you to dinner. It's a long ways, yes. A long ways. 85 miles. In the Middle East. And he had only been given provisions for the day. 
So in this isolation, in this total dependence, what the Lord now is asking of him is unconditional obedience to go, knowing, one, he has nothing to take with him. He's by himself on an 85-mile trek through the Middle East to go to this town. The longer I have done ministry, I'll give you a little picture into a pastor window. You ready? Everybody take your hands, lift the window. You ready? That was fun. You did good. I didn't know if you'd do it. And, and my wife will echo this. The more I have pursued gospel community, the more I have delved into ministry, the brook that would be my friends has steadily trickled down. Uh, people, f- family, trickle down. Finances, jobs, I have found that when you are obedient to the Lord, he doesn't make you broke. I'm not gonna sit here and preach some poverty gospel to you. But what I will tell you is this, the closer you get to the Lord, he will strip away everything from you that is not of him. And so as Elijah, this brook dries up, 85-mile journey ahead, the Lord is looking for his unconditional obedience. And I'll tell you, and you see why here in a second. If you go past verse 9, there is this amazing story. Amazing story. And the band can come up if they'd like. Or the band can just come up. It's not if you'd like. I really do need you to come up. I mean, if it's not like, oh, I don't want to. No, you need to come up. I really need you. Need your help. <laughs> I don't know why I said if you'd like. I really need you up here. I'm about to close. I got to close. The band helps me do that. Elijah has made this 85-mile trek through the Middle East to Zarephath. And he comes upon a widow. So look, look. He made this pronouncement. The Lord cut him off from everybody for months. For months. By himself, teaching him total dependence, teaching him now to obey. He's made this 85-mile trek all by himself. And he finds this widow, and he comes up to this widow and says, hey, I need something to eat. And this widow looks at him and said, well, one, don't you know there's a drought going on, right? This, I'm, I'm sure this is going through her head. What do you mean? You want me to make you some food? And this is her reply. She says, sir, I, I'm about to make I'm, I'm going to take what flour and oil that I have left and I'm about to make one last meal for me and my son and then we're going to die. That's it. That's it for us. Now Elijah, who's been in development 
Elijah, who's been in isolation and wondering why. Elijah, who has been learning total dependence day and night on the Lord and obeying him, looks at this woman and says, go ahead and make me a meal first. This is interesting. I love that he said, make me a meal first. He must have really been hungry. Make me a loaf first and then make you and your son some because the Lord is going to provide. Do you know why he can say that? Oh, do you know why he can say that? He's seen the Lord provide. He's seen ravens come out of the sky and bring in meal and meal and water. He's seen the Lord do it. And so with faith, he can speak now. Go ahead and do it. I know the Lord will provide. And she goes, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and and she begins, I can see her pouring the flour, and she makes a little bread, and then she pours some more, little oil here, little flour here, and it won't stop pouring. It won't stop. Elijah could operate this way God can use him this way because he's been developed in a season that maybe didn't make sense to him a little a few verses down this same widow they He didn't just provide then. He provided for a while. And this widow's son becomes ill. He becomes ill. So ill that the Bible says he stopped breathing. That means he died. Stopped breathing. This widow looks at Elijah and said, did you come here to make me pay? Did God send you to make me pay for my sins? What's going on? Elijah, he goes down to this young boy and he picks him up, this dead body, and he takes him upstairs. And he says, the Bible says he laid down on top of him three times, laid his body across the boy's body three times. And the Bible says he cried out to God, put life back in this boy. Do you know why he could do these things in obedience? Do you know why he could act this way and speak this way? There's a reason that you can't speak in as much faith as you wish. God's got to develop that in you. There's, you have not made it. Do you know this? You, you haven't made it. I don't care if you're, my brother turned 88 last week. 88 years old. I'm 33. And what I can declare to you, I I don't know where you're at. You may feel like you're in the Corinth Ravine today, all by yourself, not sure why you're in the season that you're in. And can I tell you why? God is trying to develop something in you. So he can do something through you.
Oh, He wants to use you today. It is not by accident. It is not by accident. And then He goes from being the Tishbite to look what, what, what she says after He has raised her son from the dead. She says, Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. I have a question for you today. What are you what is the Lord developing in you? Take a second. Zoom out from your life and just look at where you are and figure out what is the Lord trying to develop in you because if you have breath in your lungs my brother sat right up here on this stool and prayed this played this harmonica like a beast nonetheless and declared to you that the Lord will do what the Lord will do in his time I hope when I'm 88 so I hope I have breath in my lungs. If I keep eating what I'm eating, I don't know if I'll make it. Krispy Kreme will be the death of me. But at 88, like Elijah standing in front of this dead boy or in front of an empty vat of flour and oil, or whether I'm standing in front of my marriage, not sure if it's going to work out, or if I'm standing in front of somebody on Jeff Davis who's who's addicted or, or has no home or feeling like they're all by themselves, I can declare because the Lord developed in me that He is faithful and that He is the source. And I know it doesn't look like it's gonna turn out this way, but I can declare, all my life you have been faithful. Yeah. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.